Hello, and welcome to Podcast 17, Mon Animism, A Very Convoluted Guide. And again, I'm your podcast host, Sarah Jane. And again, in this podcast, we'll be discussing transcendental ecstasy, a bit about um, journeying, and all those practices that people associate with traditional animism. But first, and lastly, I want to examine an oxymoron that only occurs in modern animism. For as I recounted in earlier podcasts, our thoughts and memories are not real, rather, they're attachments that tie us emotionally and experientially to this universe. The smaller parts of matter, the things that we're made up of, are most likely to be strings of matter held together with an electromagnetic force and the materials that we're made up with can transcend time and space so that we as humans can exist in many universes simultaneously. It's our experiences and memories that hold us into this specific timeline. It's a known paradox which has evolved from the mathematical universe theory which in itself is a byproduct of probability theory amongst other theories. We don't have a full understanding of parallel universes at the moment. There are about 30 different concepts proposed, of which five probably became solid and real. But it's likely that those five theories will be reconciled into a single unified theory very soon. Animism has always been very keen on the concept of alternate realities, alternate states of being, and the next few podcasts are covering more of these um, ideas and mystical skills. Today we're looking at the activity that I would call journeying. It's best described as a method of guiding souls into a better state. It's useful for answering questions, bringing clarity, healing, or perhaps meeting departed loved ones and setting their souls to rest. So here's the start of the oxymoron that I was referring to earlier. Although the shamanic journey is valid, and something I'll talk about very soon, it's an entirely different beast to the practice of transcendental ecstasy, which we spoke about in our last podcast. If you remember, transcendental ecstasy was akin to that to which we refer to as out-of-body experiences. And I mentioned in the last podcast that for a select number of lucky women, who have hereditary gained the skill to trigger activity and the right angular gyros during orgasm. They are capable of experiencing experiences lasting roughly 30 to 45 seconds. Um, so less than a whole minute of time, all sense of self will be lost, like a total blackout of the brain. The right angle gyros is normally responsible for not only our sense of self, but our reasoning and information processing. So triggering this region, it's not about the euphoria, but a disconnect from the ordinary reality that we live in. So whilst the techniques and activities of the two different sets of animus may appear to be employing similar techniques, the end goals here are in two different trajectories. A deep understanding of versus the loss of self. Ecstasy is the name we give to the capacity to escape one's own sense of self 
while transcendence is the capacity to go beyond one has previously experienced. And of course, we have anecdotal examples of both the shamanism, journeying, and transcendence. And sometimes, unfortunately, these terms are used interchangeably or used wrongly. Um, journeying involves some true animistic experiences. If you remember from my last podcast, I spoke about, about how animism is an internal capacity, a survival strategy which is becoming coded into our DNA. We see the supernatural in real objects because we need a way of protecting ourselves against things that we did not understand but might have had the capacity to do us harm. And it was a default setting since all children under the age of seven will play and act as animists. They give their toys backstories. They talk to and interact with inanimate objects automatically. So journeying is the practical application of that skill in which all objects have life and there's a symbolism, interconnectedness and symbiosis between ourselves and the planet. But a theory that is strongly promoted by environmental modern animists is that the planet itself has a soul. And I promise this is a topic I've set out for another session and the so-called named Gaia theory. It's almost a kind of tied into altruism theory that the universe itself has a consciousness. But nevertheless, journey explores the patterns and symbiosis of life and then draws meaning from these processes. But it's entirely different and categorically and idealistically different to tra- transcendence, in which one loses one's sense of self, one loses one's identity to reach out beyond oneself. So for a modern animist, transcendence is probably a better skill set, for we don't see any symbolism in our life. We do want the chance to detach ourselves from mental and emotional experiences, to experience all of ourselves in the parts that transcend time. Many religions talk about transcendence as a route to mysticism or occultism, that through transcendence one could you could unite with God and to understand him through his physical presence that would supersede the need for physical texts like the Bible but this kind of transcendence always results in books and knowledge advocacy and dogma remember transcendence is also the same journey taken by people who do drugs on the street to quote the expression they lose themselves in the bottle They use drugs to end their relationship with this reality. But those drug users are not bringing back God-like clarity. But I digress. Previously I spoke about the difference between orthodoxy and orthopraxy. One is concerned with following the correct thoughts and teachings. The other is concerned with the right observances and physical activities. Many folk religions or folk variants of mainstream religions, their main function is to gain spirituality through transcendence. And this week I've been engaging myself understanding folk Islam, which is a kind of animism we find in poor rural northern African societies. They believe in magic and spirits, and they've got an animistic belief in a form of Islam, 
but simultaneously they see evidence of jinn, that which we call genie, like in the Aladdin mythology, and they believe in magic and mysticism. So they use rituals to create changes in their life. All folk religions, such as folk Islam, operate as orthopraxic religions. And I suppose I should explain more about orthodoxy versus orthopraxy. Since right knowledge teaches you morals, it's future focused. But orthopraxy is in your daily activity, so it's concerned with solving community problems in real time. So all religion, all observances carried out as folk religions are orthopraxic, be them Sufi dancers or Rastafarianism. And the key ingredients I believe is folk praxis are about small and perhaps isolated communities coming together with a single purpose. And I spoke about Sufism and Rastafarianism on purpose. Not because either of these are animistic. They're both folk religions, they're both orthopractics, but they're not animistic. But there are both examples of religions who place a lot of value on transcendental ecstasy and community. They're two attributes that are important to shamanism and animistic cultures, along with Krishna, you know, Krishna content, uh, consciousness, which is a form of Hinduism. And off the top of my head, these deal with the three alternate methods of altering one's consciousness, either through dancing, singing, or drug ingestion. I spoke previously about healing therapies who appropriate Eastern practices for the purposes of healing and making people spend thousands to go on courses where the actual practices are quite freely available. And how it's become acceptable to monitor brain waves as a person sits in meditation or practices breath work and how they believe that the changes in brain wave state would indicate that the workshop participant is undergoing personal healing and transformation what these groups don't measure and something I consider vital to the idea of transmuting one's problems is the power of entrainment just if you exercise at home your practice will be less effective than exercising in a group. The same effect occurs in meditation or healing practices. Not because of being with other people is a motivating factor, but because of the skill of entrainment, whereby our patterns of behavior synchronize with other people in group situations. I spoke very early on in this series of podcasts about mon animists who believe in an offshoot of the Gaia theory and that the whole planet functions as one organism and instead of each human being having an individual soul we all collectively have a soul together you might remember this because I stated that we all rise together that we need to look after the earth and the planet in the current time frame rather than planning for a heavenly afterlife. Now entrainment is one of the concepts behind a world soul. It's a skill by which all people become synchronized. It's not the same as mirroring. That's when a person's movements are identical to another because of the empathy between them. 
entrainment is a practice where people can become synchronized subconsciously. Mm. You might find this easiest in breathing patterns and you can learn this through breathing. Entrainment exists in circumspectum. These are rhythms of seven day cycles. Circadian rhythms like sleep patterns or monosplegacy in menstruation cycles where everyone comes into alignment. All the techniques of transcendental ecstasy that function correctly are dependent upon entrainment. Without entrainment, the techniques of transcendental ecstasy are not as effective. We know this because we know that drug taking on the streets don't have a transcendental effect. Um, we don't see homeless junkies suddenly become the equivalent of medieval mystics. But we do see that religions that use techniques to produce transcendental ecstasy also have forums for sharing the information that is produced in these sessions. The gatherings where people will sit and food is shared. Food is the opposite of transcendental ecstasy. It's a powerful grounding for physical experiences. And because while transcendental ecstasy breaks us from material existence, to return we need to engage sensory with our environment. And eating is very high on the list of material pleasures that will engage your physicality and bring you back into reality. And I refer earlier to the podcast, The Oxymoron, that is transcendental ecstasy. For although the name refers to breaking free from reality, the process through which transcendental ecstasy takes place is through the power of community. Now I do have some secret techniques for improving entrainment that I'll probably say for a much later date since they're much more effective in group situations. And in our next podcast, I'll look to the other forms of altered consciousnesses and some of the other traditions of animism such as journeying and I want to look at you know like spirit healing and also a little bit about spirit wives if I can obviously I did mention there are different forms of animism and journeying is dependent upon the belief of animal spirits as opposed to being spirit energy in the universe as a whole and I hope you'll listen out for that and I also I thank you for listening tonight <laughs>